So our subject is, let me get my glasses on, facts about spiritualism and what fallen angels don't want you to know. Spiritualism has been around, if you think about it, and we will go into what spiritualism is, but spiritualism has been around, if you think, from the very beginning of Earth's history, right from the very beginning of Genesis, when Satan, through the medium of a snake, deceived our first parent, uh, Eve. Uh, spiritualism became very popular in the United States. At one time, it wasn't a really hot, debated topic. I'm talking all the things that's involved with spiritualism, and we'll go into some of that. But in America, it really wasn't talked about. It really wasn't a popular subject. But in March of 31 in 1848, it became very popular and widespread in the United States. And it all started with this structure, well known to spiritualists all over the United States, that in December 1847, John D. Fox and a family known as the Fox Sisters, you might have heard that name before, who were all very small girls at the time when this began, who lived in this small dwelling, began to hear mysterious rappings. The rappings continued until the following March, which was a full four months later. So there was all these rappings going on in the wall. And one of the children discovered the knocks would reply to finger snaps and questions and answers were replied out. Isn't that very interesting? So all of a sudden you hear rappings and stuff going on in the house, and the children figured that if I can reply to these rappings, I would get a response. And that's kind of how it all began. Here's a picture of the actual Fox sisters as older adults. And this is where it's believed the modern-day spiritualism, if you will, epidemic started in Hydesville, New York, on the night of March 31st in 1848. And it is reported that Kathy said, and I quote, Mr. Splitwolf, they were doing this almost jokingly, do as I do, clap her hands, the sound instantly followed with, with the same number of raps. When she stopped, the sound ceased for a short time. Then Margaret said, and sport, now do just as I do. Count one, two, three, four, striking one hand against the other at the same time, and the raps came and did the same. She then said, oh, look, mother, it can, it can see as well as hear, and so modern-day spiritualism began from this. And when this became spread about, as you can imagine, it had to just spread like wildfire throughout the United States, uh, an epidemic and numerous spiritual circles, if you will, arose, and many people became infatuated into spiritualism. And as a result, uh, there were rappings, table turnings, they've heard music sounds, writings, unseen raising of heavy, heavenly bodies, and the like. So, as you can imagine, you know, when this is happening, how the fallen angels and Lucifer must have loved this. Because they were interacting, if you will, with fallen angels and demons. Here is a picture of modern day of the actual Fox home today. And there's a plaque that's there at where this all began. And I'll just read it. It's kind of hard to see on the screen. But it says, Spiritualist of the world and commemoration of the advent of modern spiritualism. Again, where it all started. And at the very bottom it says this. This is the sum of what they gathered from this spiritualism. It says, there is no death, there are no dead. So in a sense, that's what spiritualism is, the belief that nobody actually dies, that you continue on in another form as a spirit, as a ghost, whatever. And it is this lie in which Satan has propagated through spiritualism. 
Now, Ellen White actually commented on what was going on in New York in her day. And this is what Ellen White said. I saw that the mysterious knockings in New York and other places was the power of Satan, and that such things would become more and more common. And I will say that is true. It's become very more common today than ever. And it's all clothed in a religious garb to lull the deceived into more security and to draw the minds of God's people, that's us, if possible, to those things and cause them to doubt the teachings and power of the Holy Ghost. So this is what Satan is hoping to do, to cause us to doubt. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you have had, if you will, spiritual experiences, let's say manifestations of any kind in your life, or you know somebody? If you've had experiences, let me just see a raise of hands. That's okay, but if you know somebody. So as you can see, there's quite a few people who either had personal experiences themselves, or they know somebody and heard of stories of other people that have. So it's quite widespread in the United States. And I have a story to tell you because I had several manifestations that happened to me. And uh, one of them happened when I was a very small child. Believe it or not, that's me. I know it don't look like me, but I went, I'm no longer six. So, But when I was six, that's what I looked like. <laughs> looked much better then. But anyways, I want to tell you a little story because I find these, it's important that we do talk about these things. Because these things do happen. And uh, so I don't think it's ever good to not talk about something because you need, you, need, you need to discuss these things from a biblical and from a godly standpoint. So I'm just going to tell you the story. Uh, and I might I know some of you have heard me tell this story numerous times, but if I, I have, I'm sorry that you have to listen to this again. <laughs> apologize. But it is part of the presentation today. But when I was a very small kid, around six years old, my mom used to make me take naps, you know. And I hated taking naps, especially in the summertime when it was beautiful outside and sunny and warm and I wanted to go out and play. And But I knew there was never any arguing with your mom. You, you know, kids, you can't argue with your mom. You know, when they want to do something, forget it. You know, you, I learned don't even argue. Even though I wasn't tired one bit, I decided to go ahead and just get it over with. It's usually a 30-minute nap. So I would go in my bedroom, it was bright light, it was summertime, the windows were open, the drapes were open, the whole room is just bright. And I'm laying there thinking, okay, 30 minutes, whatever, I'll wait until this is over with. And while laying there, uh, I, had, I wasn't thinking of anything particularly, but we had a couple of big windows on this wall, and I was, my bed was on this wall, and there was a window that sat up high, very high on the ceiling. Our windows weren't low, you know, some people's Windows were low, but ours were very high. And I remember just sitting there, and I remember looking up, and I glanced over there, and there was my dad looking in the window. And I thought he was playing a joke on me, and he had a big smile on his face. And I started laughing right away. And I said, oh, Dad, you know, that's funny, ha, ha, ha. And I said, you know, cut it out, you know. And after I kept staring, but he didn't say nothing. Usually my dad would say something, but he didn't say anything. He just stared at me with a funny smile on his face. And as I stared at him, and uh, I just couldn't believe, you know, that he was, I kept finally kind of saying, you know, Dad, stop. You know, just stop. Because now we got to a point where it started to scare me. And for a moment, I even glanced away, and I looked back, and here he was, still staring at me. And while I, I, when I looked away and I looked back at him, I watched his face just disappear right before my eyes. Now, I don't have to tell you, being a very small child, I ran as fast as I could out of that bedroom into the bathroom across the hall and just scratched my head 
not understanding what had happened. Now, some people might say, well, listen, you know, you were, you know, obviously you were just hallucinating or you were dreaming. But here's the thing. I wasn't asleep. I was wide awake. My eyes never closed. Here's another thing. How many of you ever hallucinated? I don't know how many of you might have or haven't. But I actually looked away and I looked back and it was still there. And that was very odd. I've never had this ever happen to me again in my lifetime. But it happened then. And so now, back then I never understood it. But I really believed it happened because it made no sense that I looked away and looked back and it was still there. Needless to say, from that time on, I was very scared to be alone or be in the dark by myself. Uh, for many years and just to show you here's a picture of my house at the time and that's my bedroom window on the wall in which I slept and you can see how high the windows are compared to you had to go up three or four steps to get to the door so there's no way my dad could even looked in the window it's impossible he would need a ladder so and I would have heard it because the windows were open but I just thought it was interesting so that was kind of my first experience with what I now to believe was just uh, some kind of uh, evil spirit or fallen angel playing a trick on me. And it, are you aware that um, that I know that you're aware because there's many programs out there, and and I know that you're aware of this. But it's unfortunate that Satan can manifest in in any form. He can take on the look we're told of any relative that you have. He could take on the perfect tone and voice of that person perfectly and mannerisms. The evil spirit can actually tell you things that only you would know or that person because they know the record of your life. And so these deceiving spirits are very, very deceiving. And because of this, many people believe when they've seen grandma or grandpa or mom or dad come back from the dead, they really believe to this day that they actually see them. And if you talk with many of them, if I have, there is no talking out of that. That's who they saw. So they've fallen into deception that the dead don't die. They continue to live. And that's the sad part. We're told in the spirit of prophecy that he, Satan, has the power to even bring in before men the appearance of the departed friends. The counterfeit is perfect. And it's important for us to know, because if we ever have one of these manifestations, we can expect this, this manifestation is going to be what? Perfect. It's going to be a perfect manifestation. The familiar look, the way they move or act or mannerisms, the words, the tone, are all reproduced with marvelous distinctiveness. Many are comforted with their assurance that their loved ones are enjoying the bliss of heaven, and without suspicion of danger, they give ear to seducing spirits and doctrines a double. Um, and, and it's interesting to me, especially in today's world in which we live, that the television is just full of programs that tell these stories again and again. For example, here is just the name of a few of the shows out there. I'm sure you've heard of them. Celebrity Ghost Stories. There are, uh, that was a celebrity ghost story, my ghost story, a haunting, psychic kids, ghost hunters, uh, taps, ghost adventurers, uh, most haunted, and then you have all the television shows, the Harry Potters and Ghost Whispers are out there. So you can see many Americans by watching these are seduced 
into believing that these stories and what they saw are their dead loved ones coming back. I've seen programs where they're, they're down there around where a civil war is and people see soldiers walking around at night or come up and talk to them only to find out later that it was supposed to be a ghost. But we know for a fact that if we see these things or hear these things, we know that it's nothing more than Satan and the fallen angels masquerading as these beings and hoping to seduce us into believing that the dead do not die, but they continue to live. And I think we should be very careful with our children as they watch these programs because they're being educated into spiritualism. That's what it is. And I just think it's, we should be very careful because these shows are so convincing. And if these children or should ever have an experience themselves, they also can be uh, seduced into spiritualism because they can't explain what, what, what they're seeing. I want to tell another story that happened to me as an adult. And I, only, I don't share these stories to scare people. I'm only sharing these stories because these are true things that's happened to me. And uh, this happened while I was an Adventist, by the way. And this happened a few, just a few number of years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe five or six years ago. I can't remember. The, oh, I guess it was 2011. I had an uncle, uh, not a blood uncle, but an uncle that was married to my aunt. And he had passed away. There was no surprise that he was going to pass away. We all knew he was. And while at the funeral home, I remember... Uh, standing in the back of the funeral parlor, if you were, where the, you know, the casket was laid open, and I was standing in the back, and I was talking to a cousin, and which I was very close to as a kid, and I rarely see him because he lives in North Carolina, so we rarely see him, and I used to see him virtually every Sunday growing up, so we were very close, and it was so nice visiting with him, and I was standing next to my brother and another cousin, and they began to talk to each other, and they were facing each other, kind of standing in a little circle. At this point, I was standing off to the side by myself. And I had very good peripheral vision. I mean, if you were to throw something at me, don't do it. <laughs> but if you were to throw something at me, if I can catch it in my periphery, I usually can knock it out of the air before it hits me. And I can do this without even being conscious of what's happening. It's kind of like when you put your hand in a fire, your hand comes out before you realize you thought even know what's going on. You know what I'm talking about? It's almost instinctively. Well, I have such good reflexes that if somebody throws something, I can usually knock out of the air before I even realize what happened and then think about it afterwards. But while I was standing in the back of this funeral parlor, I saw there, I sensed something coming in my periphery and it was moving fast at me to a point as if I saw somebody would throw something at me. And instinctively, I went like this with my hand. And then I looked. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making these things up. I saw an, an orb in bright light. It, it wasn't in a camera. It wasn't dust. I saw an orb. It stopped for just a second, just for a split second long enough that I looked, that I could see it. It stopped right beyond my hand, because my hand was up the block like somebody threw something at me. And within just a moment, and then it, it went back up along the ceiling and into the wall. And I kid you not, this happened. Right away, I looked to my cousins, thinking certainly they would have saw it. But I realized they were gross in conversation. They weren't looking at all. I quickly scanned the room right away, hoping that somebody else saw it too. But I realized they were all facing forward or having little conversations with themselves. So I was the only one that saw it. 
And I thought to myself, right away, I wanted to say something bad. Could you imagine having that happen to you and how bad you want to say something? But I'm at a funeral home with my uncle. You know, it's not the proper place to say anything. So I chose not to say anything. But I'll tell you, it threw my head into a spin like you couldn't believe. The next day, I wasn't sure whether to tell anybody, but I called Dan and Penny because they know they know me well enough that they know I don't make up things. So I called Dan and Penny, and I told them of what happened, and I know they remember me calling them on that. So, But anyways, and you might ask yourself, well, what, what did I take from that? Well, it was very interesting at the time. I was very interesting. There's kind of a picture of what, it, what the orb kind of looked like. It looked almost identical to that. It wasn't a car light on a wall. This was sitting out in midair, okay? At the time, I was watching a lot of those programs, you know, The Haunted, The Ghost Stories, and I really believe it was just Satan trying to shake my faith because we know that these fallen angels are seducing, deceiving fallen angels, and they're trying to seduce me into falling into spiritualism. But I know the truth biblically that the dead know nothing, amen? So I wasn't seduced by it. But nonetheless, I can't lie. It caused me to ponder these things. Here's another photo. I guess you can't see it, but there's a photograph of some orbs there as well. Excuse me. Yes. You said you were watching. I was watching those programs. A lot of those programs on TV because I thought they were interesting. Yeah, yeah. so you put yourself on Satan's ground. Exactly. I did. I opened myself up to the medium of watching those programs. And that's kind of where I'm going to go with this sermon. But I'm glad you picked it up. You're right. I opened myself up. And as a result, Satan capitalized on that and hoping to deceive me and thwart my conviction in the, in the church. Um, I want to skip by some of this. I already gave you this story. So this is it. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.1, as Antone read beautifully for us this morning, that these spirits are called seducing spirits. The devil was a liar and a father of it, and it is their plan to seduce them. I don't have to tell you that how Satan used the medium of a snake to deceive Eve. Okay? And uh, so Satan used different mediums to do that. The Spirit of Prophecy tells us this, that Satan in the Garden of Eden deceived Eve with a soft and pleasant words, and with musical voice, he addressed a wandering Eve. She was startled to hear a serpent speak, wouldn't you? To hear a snake speak? He extolled her beauty and exceeding loveliness, which was not displeasing to Eve. But she was amazed, for she knew that to the serpent, God had not given the power of speech. Eve's curiosity was aroused, and instead of fleeing from the spot, she listened to hear the serpent talk. It did not occur to her mind that it might be the fallen foe, and using the serpent as a medium, it was Satan that spoke, not the serpent, and Eve was beguiled and flattered and infatuated. So Satan uses these mediums to beguile and to deceive us. Even Christ himself, as you know, when he was in the wilderness to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to Christ in a form of an angel of light, as if he was an angel from heaven and hoping to deceive Jesus Christ himself. But Jesus knew by his words that it was Lucifer. But it was only by his words that he can tell by just visually seeing this. Now we know what truth means biblically. Truth means right. The truth, right? Our light means truth. So this angel came to Christ in the form of an angel of truth. 
and in hoping to deceive Christ. We're told this in the spirit of prophecy, that Christ was alone with him, meaning Satan, in the wilderness of temptation. He was to face to face, not with a hideous monster, as represented with bat's wings and cloven feet, but in a beautiful angel of light, apparently just from the presence of God. So again, here Satan uses the medium of an angel, if you will. So Satan is very deceiving. Now there's a Bible story which we're all familiar with. And there's an interesting lesson here that I want to bring out in the Bible. As you know, here's a story of, of the witch of Endor in which an evil spirit impersonates a prophet Samuel and even foretells, and this is important because we're going to talk about this just for a minute, and even foretells the death of King Saul and the three sons. Here's the story. It's well worth reading in your Bible. King Saul was at his wit's end and trembling with fear. The entire Philistine army had gathered to attack Israel's smaller and weaker troops. Saul moaned, if only Samuel were here, he would tell me what to do, Samuel the prophet. But the great prophet of Israel had already died a few years earlier. The aged monarch tried desperately to find some advice uh, or guidance from other prophets or priests, but the Lord would not speak to him. As a young man, Saul had been close to God. But after ascending the throne, he became cruel and rebelled against God's word. Once he even had a whole village of priests murdered. King Saul had presently refused to, I'm sorry, had persistently to refuse to listen to the Lord. And now in his distress, God would not answer him. Then said Saul to his servants, seek me a woman that hath familiar spirits, that I may go to her and inquire of her. You can find this all in 1 Samuel 20 verse 7. And God had already commanded his people to never to consult with a witch or a medium. You find that in Leviticus 19.31, 20 and 27. But Saul now had little regard for God's implicit instructions. Upon finding a woman in Endor who claimed to consult with the dead, the king disguised himself and went to see her. He didn't even want to be recognized because he knew that the Lord uh, would not approve of this. And he said to the medium, bring up Samuel. The prophet, the witch went through her spells and enchantments until an appropriate claiming to be Samuel, the prophet, appeared and gave the king an utterly hopeless message. It predicted, or this medium predicted, that Saul and his three sons would die in battle the next day. So, this is something I want to bring up. Can an evil spirit, can fallen angels predict future events? And the answer is yes. The following days, Saul's sons were slain by the Philistines, and after the wounded and discouraged king fell on his ward and took his own life. The story prompts, again, two questions. Who spoke to Saul? And can fallen and angels predict um, events? Here's a statement uh, I find very interesting. Then said to the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring up Samuel. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul, listen to this word, it's very important, perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground, and he bowed before this being. Now it's very interesting, we should, we should go without saying that if, the, if it actually was Samuel, there's no doubt that the Bible would have said, It's Samuel, right? 
But the Bible is very clear that it was only perceived to be, which means that it's not. Now, this is something that the um, Spirit of Prophecy tells us. It's very interesting. I don't know if you can read it. Oh, I guess you can read it now. The pretended visitants from the world of spirits sometimes utter cautions and warnings which prove to be correct. Then as confidence is gained, they present doctrines which directly undermine faith in the scriptures. The fact that they state some truths and are able at times to foretell future events gives to their statements an appearance of reliability. Uh, thank you. And their false teachings are, are accepted by the multitudes as readily as believed and implicitly as if the most sacred truths of the Bible. Pretty scary, isn't it? That fallen angels can't appear before you and tell you future events that will come true. In this case, they predicted that Samuel, that uh, Saul's sons would die and that Saul would die as well in the battle, and it came true. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with, probably many of you are familiar with Roger Marneau. He wrote a book called Tripping the Supernatural, and it's a very fascinating book, well worth reading. There's some good counsel from Roger Marneau. Now, Roger Marneau actually became an Adventist, okay? Uh, and, but in the beginning, he wasn't an Adventist, but he learned about Adventism because it, the fallen angels said that the only people that can't be deceived on the state of the dead are the Seventh-day Adventists. And when he learned of a Seventh-day Adventist, he wanted to become one. It's a fascinating story. But one of the things that he brings out in the book, that he was actually face-to-face with these fallen beings. And he was able, through them, to predict, through them, they would tell them who would win a horse race. And he made a lot of money, put money on horse races, knowing who was going to win on what the demons were telling him who would win. To the point that the owners of the horse race refused to let Roger Monroe in anymore, and they had no idea how he was doing it. So it's a fascinating story. So fallen angels, friends, are able to foretell future events. God says, there shall not be found among you an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consultant with familiar spirits. That's a medium. Or wizards, or necromancers. That's one who talks to the dead. For all that do these things is an abomination. So this is my counsel, if you will, to the young people, that when you watch these things on TV, I tell you, there's a strong lure to want to go see if these things are true. Don't do it. You're opening yourself up to things that you can't stop. And uh, so God's warning is don't do it because what? They're deceiving and lying. And they will trick you even to a point where they tell you future events that actually can come true. Now I would like to talk about an instrument that you can buy in any toy store. Uh, and you all know what that toy is. It's called a Ouija board, Right? How many of you, out of curiosity, I know, so how many of you had a Ouija board in your life? Okay? Now, I know some of you who are Adventists may not have, but many of us who were not Adventists, many of us have one, and I will say that my sister had a Ouija board, and we used to play with it as a kid. But a Ouija board is a medium in which you're opening yourself up to seducing spirits and lying devils. Does that mean every time anybody ever picks up one, it's going to happen? No. But it can happen, and it has happened. In fact, I've heard by many people that uh, they have used a Ouija board that once they have had 
actually demons man, uh, manifest in their home afterwards. It's like it opened a door and then they were unable to close it and get rid of the demon. So that has happened through many stories. Now I'm going to tell you a true story involving a Ouija board. <clears throat> and this was one of my best friends. He's still, I consider him to be a good friend to this day. He's not an Adventist, and so we're kind of living in two different worlds. But my friend when I was a little kid was named Tom, and uh, we became best friends in third grade. And uh, I went, I've known Tom, I mean, all my life as a child and a young adult. All, really all the way up to the time I went in the military. I think that's when things, we just became different people after that. But me and Tom actually had a paper route together. So we were together seven days a week, okay? We were together in school. We were together on weekends. We were together after the paper route. We played together. We stayed over each other's house. The, the point is, I knew Tom better than my own brother because I spent so much time with him. And we did this for years, probably all the way up until at least... I think I was 18 or 19 when we kind of started to go our separate ways. But Tom once told me a story that uh, I knew was absolutely true and it involves a Ouija board, and I thought I would share that with you today. So Tom um, was six years old at the time this happened, but his family has related the story to Tom many times. Now, if you know Tom's family like I know him, his mom and dad is like, um, Opie and uh, Mayberry on the television show. They're the most, most normal, boring family you can imagine. There was nothing exciting about them, but they were very good apple pie Americans. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. They were just like you or me. There was nothing. They weren't into spiritualism and witches and all that. But uh, Tom had three sisters, has three sisters, at the time, they were all older than him, and they were all married at the time when Tom was six years old. And so Tom's parents had Tom in their older years, and Tom was their last child. Now, what happened is one of the sisters brought home a Ouija board, and they were just playing with it, having fun, thinking it was a big joke, okay? And they were moving around the little cursor on the board, and Tom's sister, named Patty or Patricia, asked the board when she would die. And so, just joking, not thinking it was seriously. And the board predicted that she would die on her 27th birthday. Well, they thought nothing of it. They laughed it away and, and really didn't think much more of it after that. But unfortunately, Tom's sister did die on her 27th birthday, just as the board said that she would. And as a result of that, um, their family would never allow a Ouija board ever in their house ever again. So they very... Uh, they know that these things are true. Again, these evil spirits can predict future events. This is the Bible says. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I know Tom so well that I knew for a fact he wasn't lying to me. Tom wasn't one to tell stories or lie anyways. But if he did, he wouldn't be able to fool me because I know him so well. Okay. But the last time I did this presentation was in 2012. And for that presentation, I called Tom. And I said, Tom, remember that story, you know, that you told me about your sister? I said, I want you to know that I believe you 100%. I've never doubted you. I've never questioned it. And I've told, repeated that story to some friends over the years since then. But I'm going to be giving a, a, a presentation on spiritualism. And in this presentation, they don't know you. And uh, for all they know, you're just telling the story. I said, would you do me a favor? I said, I believe you, but I want to do this for them because I'm trying to make a point. 
would you mind if we went to Patty's grave? And I took a picture of the gravestone because it will show the date she was born and also the date that she died. And he agreed. And I think I told Dan and Penn like she died when she was 16, but I'm mistaken. It was at 27 years old. And so that's my mistake. But in the presentation, I actually gave it right. So Tom did this, and here's her gravestone. And you can see she was born April 15, 1941. She died April 15, 1967, exactly on her 27th birthday. So these stories are true. They're not make-believe. And there's not a story that I'm sharing with you that's not true. So these Ouija boards are not toys. They're mediums. And when you use a Ouija board uh, of any kind, even when you make up yourself, you open yourself open to demonic spirits. And more importantly, you open yourself up to seducing, lying, deceiving spirits. Now I'd like to tell you one more story about a Ouija board. And I hope I can give the story some justice. I won't go through the whole thing. But at the time, I had this person. Now I can never pronounce her last name. But Vicki, somebody help me. All right. Thank you. But Vicki, in 2012, I had her permission. She actually stood up and told her story. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about her story in regards to a Ouija board. Now, <clears throat> Vicki and her family are devout, strong Seventh-day Adventists, okay? And, and they're so devout and strong, her grandfather actually had his tongue cut out by the communists because he wouldn't stop preaching the Adventist message. It gives you some idea how strong, solid Adventists they are. Now, Vicki had some friends that weren't Adventists. They were just girlfriends of hers. And she, they lived across the street. And one day, just being at home, being bored, she was just wondering what her girlfriends were up to. So she went across the street where the house was, and she knocked on a door, and her mother let her in. They said, oh, yeah, the girls are in the dining room. The door was closed. So Vicki went on the door, and she knocked on the door. And the girls opened the door, and they saw Vicky. And Vicky's like, well, what are you doing? And they say, well, we're using a Ouija board, but it was one they made up themselves with the glass and numbers and stuff. And uh, Vicky didn't believe it. I mean, she thought, yeah, this is a big joke. And she's like, no, no, we're, we're talking to spirits. And Vicky said, oh, I don't believe it. And she said, come in, I'll, I'll prove it to you. But she said, but I only ask one thing. She says, you can't use the name of Jesus in this room. And you can't pray while you're in this room. Because if you do that, the spirits become very angry. So you can't do that. So Vicky said, okay, I won't do that. And so while in the room, they were going around asking questions. And the board was answering. Vicky is like, you know, I, I just don't believe it. I think you guys are pushing this glass around yourself. And she said, well, listen, I'm going to prove it to you that we're not. That actually this glass is moving around on its own. And she said... Ask us a question that we wouldn't know. And she said, then we'll ask the board and see what it says. Well, it turns out that Vicki just recently had met Lou, who's her husband now. Lou was in four grades higher than where she was. She said her friends had no idea about this because she had just met him. And so she asked the board, she asked the girls, okay, well, ask the board, who am I seeing right now? And the board answered, blue and it blew her mind but she still didn't believe it and she said nah ask the board what's the name of of Lou's mother and it gave the name of Lou's mother she said okay she said, yeah, I still don't believe this but ask the board how many brothers Lou has 
And the board answered that Lou has three brothers, which is what Lou has. She's still in disbelief, said, you know, I just, I just don't believe it. She said, I just, I can't believe this. You know, somehow it got back. You guys know about this. And she said, listen, I'm going to prove it to you. She said, I'm going to let you put your finger or your hands on the cup, and you're going to feel the power of the spirit yourself. So Vicki did it thinking nothing would happen. And she said she put her finger on the glass, and she felt a power move through her entire arm, and then the glass lifted off the table. Now, you can ask Vicki for yourself. But again, these things, even things that you make up, are mediums of which Satan uses. And this was the house in which this happened. Vicki gave me a picture of that home. So I guess the, the sum of this whole story is, friends, is that we got to be careful what we watch on TV. We got to be careful of, of associating with people who do these things. We should never open ourselves up. And I really believe, and I know that Skia will tell me because I've heard Skia talk about it, that Satan can use music as a medium because I know many people in his country become possessed through the medium of music. Many people open themselves up through watching shows on TV, such as what I was doing. I've opened myself up to the medium through these programs. So we have to be very careful what we read, what we watch, what we see. We must be very strong in God's word and what he says. Let me just skip past this because I've already just told these stories. Pardon me? Yeah, well, they still attend in uh, Westlake. But uh, Vicki came and she was able to tell us that story. Um, here's what we're told again in the Spirit of Prophecy. The doctrine of natural immortality, that is, that souls don't die. Here is a channel which Satan works for the accomplishment of his purpose. The fallen angels who do his bidding appear as messengers from the spirit world. While professing to bring the living into communicating with the dead... Satan exercises his bewitching influence upon their, upon them, I guess I should say. Satan causes those to appear who went before, went into the grave, and thus the error is widely taught that no one, no, that no difference is made between the righteous and the wicked. You see, in the end, that's the, that is the doctrine of spiritualism. There is no death, there, um, there is no dead. And so that is what spiritualism is. So there's a lot we can say about it. I just want to close with a couple of Bible texts. The Bible tells us this. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know what? Not anything. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. You find that in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 and 10. So the Bible also tells us in Job chapter 14, So man lieth down and raiseth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. The sons come in honor, and he perceive it not of them. And why can he not perceive it? Because the Bible tells us, His breath goeth forth, he returneth to the earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. Even Martha, as you know, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, that uh, even said this of regards to when Jesus said he was going to raise Lazarus. Then Martha said unto Jesus, I know that Lazarus shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So we know when the immortal will take on immortality is when? The second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's just be very careful. And I hope 
we can just stay hold of God's word because these manifestations we're told in the last days are going to become greater and greater, more deceiving and more to pull us into this. So we know that's going to happen. We can expect it, but we know God's word. And if we stay faithful to God, uh, God will protect us from these these evils. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you. Amen.